When buying or selling real estate, there is a lot of face-to-face -face interaction with strangers and transactions that involve large amounts of money. Everyone wants to believe that the people we meet every day are good. Unfortunately, the reality is not everyone is trustworthy. In honor of September Safety Month, today's podcast will discuss best safety practices and tips on awareness of your surroundings so you can feel empowered. Welcome to Your Key to Orlando Real Estate. I am Realtor Michelle Corbin. Today we will be speaking with industry expert Andrea Andy Tolbert, going in depth on how you can stay safe during your journey of selling or buying your next home. As the founder of Safer Agent, Andy trains real estate agents across Florida to protect themselves and their clients. Hi, this is Michelle Corbin. I am a local realtor here in Central Florida. And today we are going to be talking about uh, real estate safety. And we are here with the highly recommended Andrea Andy Tolbert. And she has been in real estate in the mortgage industry since 1995 a realtor since 98, and has a partner in a real estate brokerage that focuses on sales and property management. She's also the founder of Safer Agent, and she trains real estate agents across Florida to protect themselves and their clients. Hi, Andy. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you for being here. Hello. I am excited to be here because it is September, which is the National Association of Realtors Realtor Safety Month. Yes, and with your expertise, we're going to get a lot of information today, so I'm excited. Can you elaborate a little bit more about, like, the certificates that you have? Because I know you have a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, the ones that are probably most pertinent, I do a lot of self-defense training. I'm certified through the National Self-Defense Institute, through their SAFE program. I'm also certified through Florida is one of the – actually, I think it is the only state – that has a Crime Prevention Training Institute. Mm -hmm. And it's actually through our Attorney General's office. And a lot of law enforcement agents from other states come to Florida just because this training is so awesome. So I have a I have two designations through the Attorney General's. One is Crime Prevention through Environmental Design, and one is the Crime Prevention Practitioner. By the way, that was three weeks of training. No, right. three weeks of training for one. I've got seven weeks of training in to get those two certificates. Wow. And it's now, typically only for law enforcement, right? Typically so like, only yeah, for law that's enforcement. that's a big deal. Not only do I have it as, a, as an attendee, mm -hmm. they actually bring me back now every time. I'm part of the training curriculum. So I'm actually going to be in West Palm Beach in the end of this month. I've been training for them now for about three years. That's fantastic. Yeah. So they thought that this realtor safety component was so important to bring out to law enforcement agencies all around the state that it's now part of the training curriculum. That's awesome. Isn't that fun? Yeah, very fun. So my first question I have for you today is it's definitely evident that you're passionate about um, safety for both the agents and their clients. And you also actually have a um, uh, your book, Safer Agent, was the number one seller uh, on Kendall, Amazon Kendall, which okay. is really pretty, pretty cool. And you have several self-defense courses and training seminars during the entire month of September here at Aura. Why is it important to educate not only realtors, but their clients on the safety measures and process? I think the biggest thing is the agent and the consumer. So whether, you're, whether you have your house for sale, which obviously there's all types of safety uh, exposures that you're putting mm -hmm. yourself and your family at when you have your house listed, but also if you are the buyer. 
Right. If I walk into a house and there's a squatter in it and I have a buyer and her two children with me, I've just walked them into a dangerous situation too. So I think the biggest thing, it's important for it to be a team effort. Mm -hmm. I can't be responsible for the safety of five people who are just walking around Correct. Yeah. They they need to take some responsibility for their safety as well, whether that's inside a house or in a public area, whatever it is. I I have ladies I also teach self-defense classes and firearms classes, and I have ladies all the time that will say to me, I don't need to worry about that stuff. My husband's trained. My husband carries, my (laughs) husband takes karate. The problem is you have just put your husband in more danger because now his whole concern is protecting you instead of protecting what he needs to protect. Right. So he's so worried about you not you being helpless. He needs to worry about you first before he takes out the threat, if that makes sense. Correct. Yeah. Whereas if both of you are trained, Mm -hmm. then he can just work on addressing the threat that's imminent and not like my husband knows he don't need to worry about me. Right. (laughs) Just go do what you need to do. I'm all good back here. Don't worry about me. So I I think I read something about that you had an incident where you went to an open house, or not an open house, but a a foreclosed home, and Mm -hmm. were looking into the window, and somebody peeked out and saw you. Like, he was inside the house, and you were outside. He was inside the house. Um, We got there, and the combination we had been given, it was a foreclosure, and we had been given the combination to get in. My husband and I are investors, too. We buy Mm -hmm. properties. And we got there. The combo that we had been given didn't work. So we said, well, you know, we drove all the way to Daytona. Let's go ahead and look. So my husband went around the left of the house. I went around the right of the house. And you can tell a lot by looking at the outside of a house, too. And as we're walking around, it was one of the older houses that's up on piers. Okay. So the bottom of the window was, like, right at my eye level. So I put my hands up around my eyes, and I'm (laughs) trying to peek in the window and see what I can see. And we've all all done that a hundred times. We've all done it, except all of a sudden, boom, there's a face right in front of me looking back out. I screamed. My (laughs) husband came running back around the... Now it ends up it was it was fine. It was just a homeless person trying to get out of the weather. weather. Yeah, yeah. And he started telling us about the neighborhood. But that could have gone really badly. What if the combo had worked and we had walked in on him? Yeah. You know, even somebody who's nonviolent, if they're asleep or something and you walk in and spook them... There's no way to tell what's going to happen. Yeah. Very or, scary situation. Yeah. Or what if they had been on drugs or yeah. or had mental illness or something and attacked us? So that was kind of when we were, we got a little more active, in, the, active yeah. in, our, in our personal safety. But the other thing, and this is a big, huge lesson, we stopped, we had been so busy driving into the neighborhood to find that house that we didn't look around. Yeah. Half the houses in the neighborhood were boarded up. So that should have been a sign that maybe we should have been, and that's one of the things I talk about in my classes is the different levels of awareness and where you need to be depending on the situation that you're in. Mm -hmm. Based on our surroundings, we should have been at a higher awareness level. You probably let your guard down a little bit because your husband was with you too. So, you know, with both of you there, it kind of gives you a sense of security. Yeah. And and we do teach the buddy system, like, for example, open houses – Yes. In fact, for you guys, if you have somebody doing an open house at your house that's for sale, insist that there are two people there. Correct. Yeah. Like, I absolutely, two people in open house is a non-negotiable for me. But even the buddy system is not foolproof because there's been cases sure. out there where mm-hmm. two people were both killed. I mean, it's right. not it's not foolproof, but it's definitely better. It's definitely better, for sure. 
Well, my next question would be on agent safety. Um, it includes a litany of areas, such as setting up a safety plan, meeting with clients, holding open houses. Um, what makes realtors different when it comes to client safety? Um, and what is your number one tip to give uh, the clients to what to be on the lookout for? So if you're selling or buying your home, what's the biggest tip that your realtors bring to the table that on safety? I think this needs to be a discussion on getting your house ready to list. Yeah. There, some agents will have this discussion with you, some won't. But if they don't, that's fine. You can still take control of this. And to get the house ready, the obvious ones. Don't leave your wedding ring sitting out on the counter yeah. when, when there's an open <laughs> house. The, which, by the way, I have found. I have seen as well. Yes, yeah. I've, I've had to text one of my listings before and told them where I hid their wedding ring because they left it out right on the, on the bathroom counter. Or your Apple Watch on the charger. Or, yeah. yeah. So uh, the obvious ones are valuables. The not-so-obvious ones are prescription medicines non-prescription medicines. There's a reason you can only buy so many allergy drugs in a month uh, right, and you have yeah. to show ID because it's used to create and formulate other drugs. So somebody could just hit open houses for a day and steal the Sudafed out of everybody's cabinet. And, <laughs> and you don't think like that. You don't think that people are out there, oh, I'm going to hit every open house yeah. for Sudafed. Oh, I should show you a picture. I went and showed a house the other day and literally there were two bookshelves full of prescription medicines. Oh, wow. The little bottles of prescriptions, two full bookshelves of them. I was like, oh. Now, I didn't it's look at surprising. what it was, but it's it's a little scary about what what controlled substances could be there. And right. And you don't think like control, controlled substances, you know, I would, the, you know, codeines or Percocets and things like that, but even like Adderall or your, um, you know, Vyvanse for ADD, anything like that in your children's rooms or whatnot, they're, they're looking for it. Yep. Prescriptions, paperwork. Oh, wow. Especially like around tax time. Mm-hmm. You've just gotten your, your W-2s in the mail, maybe paycheck stubs laying out on the kitchen table. And a thief doesn't even need to take the paper. Right. All they need to do is, while you got your back turned, pull take their phone out, take a quick picture, and they have all the data they need for identity theft. My office your... was is off limits. <laughs> that would be ridiculous how much information that you get. Well, not only that, I've seen people that leave their mortgage statement open on the dining room table. Yeah. Now I know exactly how much you owe on the house, and I know that you're three months behind. Yeah. As that an makes agent, a big difference. Yeah. That might put me in a different negotiating position. Mm-hmm. So, as a homeowner that's trying to sell your house, put all that stuff away. But the other thing that you might not think about is your kids' pictures on the wall. So if you have a picture on the wall that shows little Susie goes to ABC Gymnastics, right. that puts little Susie at risk because a predator now could maybe show up to ABC Gymnastics and say, oh, hey, Susie, your mom told me to come pick you up. She's, she got tied up at her golf game. Right. And we know that you golf because you got golf trophies all over your house. So a, a predator can really put together a story based on just what they find in your house. So two things. One, take all that stuff down so that a predator can't use it against you. But the second is we always recommend you take all that stuff down to depersonalize the house. Absolutely. Because we want the potential buyer to walk in and say, I could see myself living here. Mm -hmm. And if you have too much personal stuff, then they go, oh, this is somebody else's house. I could never live here. Right, yeah. And if there's too much stuff, people look and go, there is no way they could be moved out of here in 30 (laughs) days. So, yeah. 
One of the things I always find interesting is that, that a lot of families have their children's names on the walls yes. or on their backpacks and things like that. So you're not thinking that predators are coming in and looking all of you know your photos and whatnot. But that's where they're getting the names from of the children, and they can show up at you know the dance studio. And so it's it's very scary. You've got to be prepared. Well, years ago when I got my first car when I turned 16, I wanted to get a license plate that said Andy 1. Yeah. And then for all my life, it was going to be Andy 2, Andy 3, Andy 4. <laughs> and my mom's like, you're not putting your name on your car because then in a parking lot, somebody might say, hey, Andy, and you turn yeah. around and you think it's somebody you know, and that split second is all it takes. Smart mom. She, oh, don't tell her that. <laughs> she might be listening. Don't tell her. <laughs> uh, so another thing I wanted to uh, touch base on is marketing and branding are cru- crucial for real estate businesses. It leaves us vulnerable, though, sometimes to unsavory people if we have too much personal information out there. So especially even potential homeowners and buyers, you know, they got to keep themselves safe, too, during that new home search period. What do you recommend for, like, what's the best practices to, to limit your personal information? This is a fine line because in this day and age of social media, we really are, it's hard because in marketing, in selling your, let's say, for example, you are selling your home and your real estate agent got beautiful pictures taken and it's all listed. You now want to share it on your own Facebook, you know, hey, my home is for sale, but you're opening up. Your, depending on how many friends you have on Facebook, you're opening up your literal home to maybe thousands of people. And if yeah. it's public, I mean, what it's if, on YouTube, it's yeah. on everything now. What if one of those yeah. pictures went viral and all, it's your house? It's, right. it's kind of a little creepy if you think about it. Mm-hmm. So it is that fine line. And I have had customers after their house closed call me and ask me to take down Remove everything. Yeah. Everything mm-hmm. except the front picture. Right. And, and I understand that because honestly, think about it from a criminal point of view. I always say, take off your good person hat and put on your bad person hat. Yeah. I have a virtual tour walkthrough video of your house. They know the layout. I know exactly where the master bedroom is. Yeah. I know where the sliding glass door is on the back of that. I know exactly where I need to go to access. And some people even put pictures of their safes and stuff in their MLS <laughs> listing. I'm like, oh, sweet. Not a good idea. Let's take that as a tip. Yeah. No, no pictures of your safe. Yeah. <laughs> so it's... It is that fine line. So you do want lots of great pictures because especially right now, we have out-of-state buyers that are buying houses sight unseen. Sight unseen, yeah. They really are buying them just on the pictures and the videos. I would definitely maybe consider taking down all but the key photos. And as as a real estate professional, don't take the photos down because appraisers are going to need them in the future to tell what the condition of the house was to help other appraisals. Right. If none of them had pictures, it would be really hard to get an appraisal on your home because we don't know the condition of the others. But maybe leave just the key ones. Maybe okay. just leave the kitchen up, the front, the backyard, you know, maybe the bathroom. Take down the walkthrough videos, take down the virtual tours, and just leave. Because that's really what the appraisers want to know. What does yes. the kitchen look like? What does the bathroom look like? What are the updates? So yeah. maybe just leave the few key pictures and take the, the extra ones down. And that's take, great advice. And take down the cute little, you know, Bailey... You right, know, yeah. Hearts over the crib. Over the crib, like yeah. 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 You see that a lot. Um, one of the things that you hit on in your seminars, which I thought was really, really cool, um, I'm going to be there today, by the way. I'm very excited about it. Um, the body language is a great tool to decipher unusual behavior and a uh, possible predator, and how do you read someone's eyes and gestures and facial expressions. You know, how can you elaborate on that for me so that People can understand. I know you have a gut feeling a lot of times when you get into a dangerous situation, but um, how do you 
read somebody's facial expressions, let's say? The funny thing about the, the body language, we call it pre-attack indicators. And originally in my realtor safety class, that was just this little two-minute snippet. And over and over, people were coming up going, now, I want to learn more about that body language part. So I actually yeah. did a whole class just on body language. And that is, I teach two hours of body language in the law enforcement classes I do. And that's, so it's really just, it's kind of a topic that people don't pay attention to. Right. When you were little, I don't know if you grew up around dogs or horses yes. or something. Yes. Was there ever a time that your parents said, get away from that dog, it's about to bite? Oh, yeah. Yeah. How did they know? What was the dog doing that told them that? Right. Probably showing Stance. their teeth, snarling, yeah. the hair mm-hmm. on the back of their neck. They're kind of crouching because they're ready to pounce. The ears, the tail. We watch all these different things. People give off those signs, too. Mm-hmm. We're just never taught what to look for. So we're teaching our kids how to not get bit by a dog, but the likelihood of them being attacked by a person in their lifetime is much higher. We're not teaching them those skills. So you want to watch out. In in school, we learned about the fight-or-flight response. Right. You know, when when two lions meet in the plane and they want to fight over the girl lions, they, you know, they posture up, they put their shoulders back, they they puff up, they they do all these different things. When an actual, let's say you're attacked, somebody jumps out and just grabs you. Your body goes through all these physiological responses. You get the adrenaline, your pupils yeah. dilate, your, your heart starts beating faster, you start breathing, you start sweating, all these different things when you get attacked. Right. The attacker who's hiding around the corner waiting for us is already starting to get those physiological responses because he knows what's about to happen. He's preparing. So a lot of the responses that happen when you get attacked are the same thing we want to watch for in a pre-attack indicator because he's already showing them. Mm -hmm. So his pupils might have dilated. Sweating, although that's a tough one to use in Florida. Especially here, yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. When you're in fight or flight, all the blood leaves your extremities. So it leaves your fingertips. It goes into your big muscles, your biceps, your legs in case you need to run or you fight. So we actually lose fine motor skills because all the blood has left our fingertips. If you've ever been in some kind of an emergency situation and somebody says dial 911 and you're you're shaking, shaking. you can't yeah. dial 911, you've lost all your, your finger use. So one of the indicators is you'll actually see them pumping their fists. That, I've seen that. It's yeah. not making a fist to get ready to punch you. It's trying to it's keep that blood flowing. Right. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. So that's one of the things you want to watch for. Um, fidgety, like they're bobbing up and down on their toes mm-hmm. or they're kind of shifting their weight. If they're sitting down, it's still the same thing. They might be like crossing their legs, uncrossing their legs. They're fidgety. They're fidgety. Yeah. yeah. Because they're, I'm going to attack this lady. I just don't know when. I'm waiting for the right time. So they have all this pent-up energy. And then they're just waiting for that that chance to jump. So that exactly happened to my husband and I. Years ago, we were held at gunpoint. And I noticed that the gentleman, there was two, and they were standing back and forth and rocking and moving. And I noticed them. My gut said something was wrong. I thought, well, maybe they're right, waiting for a ride to pick them up because they're drunk. And I didn't realize that that fidgety, and we were robbed at gunpoint. Wait a second. Let me write this down. I had a bad feeling. <laughs> dot, it's dot, gut. dot. It's a gut, and you just but. didn't listen to it. See this? But. Mm-hmm. Okay. I had a bad feeling, but. Right. Do you have dogs now? Yes. Okay. If you're out, where I live, we have bears, we have hogs, we have alligators, we have all kinds of stuff. So if I'm walking down the road and all of a sudden my dog stops, 
and like and crouches and yeah. wants to turn around and go back the other way, do I say, hmm, she has better hearing, smell, and sight than me. There's something out here. Let's turn around. Or do I say, come on, Artie, you're being silly. Let's go. Right. I go home. We go home. Right. We pay attention to our dog's alarm system. But when our own alarm system goes off, we say, oh, I'm sure it's nothing. I'm just overreacting. I don't want to make a scene. I don't want to ask too many questions. Exactly. I don't want to jeopardize yeah. my commission. I, right. It's always. Or you don't I, want to be rude. Yeah. That's well, a big listen, thing that as a, as a, a, a woman, you're especially raised, as a woman, yes. as don't be rude. Yes. Don't, make, don't get and them asking, offended. And asking questions can be seen as rude. Correct, yeah. Or, why are you yeah. drilling me? Right. I did a presentation once for a group of executive professional women. At the end of it, she came up and she said, you need to talk about the gut feeling part more. Mm-hmm. And it was only a 20-minute presentation, so I didn't have time to talk about much. But she is a, an emergency room doctor. And she said, every she single night we have somebody come into the ER that's been mugged or raped or attacked, and they all say the exact same thing. I had a bad feeling, yeah. but the but always changes, but the beginning of that sentence never changes. I had a bad feeling. Yeah, um, I have actually a really good book that I'd like to recommend for everybody on this. this Wonderful, topic. yeah. It's called The Gift of Fear. I've read it. You have it's too. awesome. It's a good book. It's isn't awesome. It? Yes. It's by a gentleman named Gavin De Becker, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of what it says. Is criminals will actually try to do things to get us to let our guard down. Yeah. In fact, if um, oh, I knew I was going to have a a brain <laughs> blank on something, um, um, Ted Bundy. Yes. Oh, Ted Bundy great. was an absolute master at mm-hmm. getting people to let their guard down. Yeah. He would walk with a cane. Mm-hmm. He would put a fake cast on his arm. So, you know, oh, how harmless, how, how dangerous can a right. guy be? He's got his arm in a cast. And he's always looking for help. Yeah. Oh, can you and help so, me yeah. this? I, I broke my arm. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. So criminals are masters at, at manipulating you to let your guard down. So that's right. what we need to be careful. But The Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker is an awesome, awesome book. The other one that I love, in fact, I usually I have it on audiobook, and I usually listen to it at least once a year. It's that good. I go back and re-listen to it. It's called The Unthinkable by Amanda Ripley. And what the premise is is why some people survive when others don't in the exact same situation. Yeah. And it boils down to mindset. If you and I are in a plane crash and we're sitting next to each other, We've, we've survived the initial crash. Mm-hmm. Why does one of us survive and one of us doesn't from there on out? And a big part of it is our, our brain and how it's wired and what what we do as our response. That was my next question, actually, to you, because I was noticing that one of your um, quotes in your book was you wrote, um, favorite self-defense tool for real estate. You wrote, notice I said tool and not weapon, because your mind is the, the your best asset when it comes to... So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Like, what are you thinking just being aware of your situation, of course, and having the steps, like the protocols, what are the steps do I do to keep myself safe? The biggest thing is there's story after story after story of somebody that had a knife, they had a gun, they had a pepper spray, they had Mm -hmm. whatever, they even have training. But when something actually happened to them, their brain never said, uh-oh, I need to pull this pepper spray out. Uh-oh, yeah. I need to pull the gun out. Right. Their brain froze. Yeah. I could have nothing on me, no knife, no gun, no pepper spray. But if my brain says, uh-oh, I'm in trouble, I'm going to start looking around for something I can use as a tool. I can use this pen. Hey, 
Do any of you guys carry these big old steel cups? I the do. 30 I ounce have one right here. Stainless steel cups. <laughs> Could this be a weapon? Yeah. If I cock somebody upside the head with this, do you think they would know that it happened? Yeah. Could I yeah. throw it at them? Could I throw my phone at them? Could I throw my laptop? Whatever you have with you. So when the brain says, uh-oh, it's time to go into defense mode, the tools will appear. Yeah. But if the brain never says it's time, it doesn't matter what you have in your hand. It's useless. Right. Do you have any recommendations for what, like, as you would carry for, like, what is your favorite tool? If you, besides your brain, of course. Yeah. Honestly, it kind of depends on the situation. The truth is there is no one tool that fits all situations. All situations, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a pepper spray, if somebody grabs me from behind, mm-hmm. I got to spray myself to spray them. So that might not work. Yeah. A, a firearm, if they grab me from behind, probably not going to work. Right. So you really have to have a couple different. I carry a pepper spray. I have encountered dogs sometimes in yes. houses. In mm-hmm. fact, that's a tip for you guys. Of course. Please, please, please. If you've got showings at your house and you have a dog, lock them up if you say they're going to be locked up. There's nothing like walking in and on a And cats, seat. because the cats, I've you know, seen them walk out the front door when people are coming in. So it's yeah. And then we spend 20 away. minutes trying to chase your pet down the street yeah. to get them back in. And I've had uh, agents be bitten by the dogs. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's very important for you know, the client not losing their dog, but also for the agents, you know, safety as well in that. Yeah. Well, is there any, like, final um, takeaways that you could uh, give to, like, potential home buyers or sellers when they're putting their house back or on the market or... Finding the new home? I think the biggest thing is just in general, pay attention. Yeah. Pay attention to people and pay attention to your surroundings. Anything that doesn't look right, smell right, feel right, that, that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. That's, your, that's your gut feeling. That's your alarm system telling you something's not right. Pay attention to it. If Look for things that are out of place. I, I like to say if everybody's calm and one person is agitated that's the one you watch yeah if everybody's agitated and one person is overly calm that's the one you watch you, you want to look for things that just don't fit it, the yeah. pattern mm-hmm. and that's where you pay attention if you come home and you find your back window unlocked and you're like oh man i could have sworn i locked that mm-hmm. before we left yeah you probably did so yeah. don't second oh we must have just left it uh, we two nights ago I went out about 10.30 to change the laundry in our garage, and our big garage door was open. And I was like, so, hey, Tim, how long are you going to leave the garage door open? He goes, what are you talking about? I said, garage door's open. He goes, I didn't open it. What are you talking about? Yeah. Now, one of the things is people will just drive through neighborhoods with random randoms. There's only so many codes. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they'll just drive through with random and say, oh, it works this one. Let's come back tomorrow when they're at work. Right. So immediately Tim's on YouTube trying to figure out how to change the code. And what he actually found out is there's a vacation mode on most modern door openers. So the clickers do not work anymore on ours. We don't use them anyway. We don't park in the garage. The clicker, we don't, we don't leave the clickers in the car, in the car because then yeah. somebody can break mm-hmm. into your car and they have access to your house. So we don't use them anyway. So he now found a way to turn them off. The only way to open our garage door is with the button on the wall inside the house. So... So, so one of the things now. you mentioned early when we, we first uh, met earlier today was the phone and that even the law enforcement was saying the phone is such a big distraction. Yeah. Just, so for a while I had a hybrid car and it was really super quiet and people would just walk out in front of me. Oh, yeah. Yep. Because they're, they're so used to listening for the sound and it was mm-hmm. quiet and they, 
at first I was like, why are you stupid people walking out in front of me? And then I was like, oh, I'm quiet. They can't hear me. Can't hear so that made me have to pay double attention. Mm-hmm. I had to pay attention for me and for them. But when you're in a public place, put the phone down and start paying attention to your surroundings. I see all these YouTube videos of people who like fall into the manhole cover yeah. because they're walking and texting. That should never happen. Right, right. I, I tell my teenagers, there is no cell phone in your hand when you're walking to the car. Period. End of story. You have to be aware. Always. Well, this has been very enlightening. I've, I'm really appreciative of all your time, and thank you so much. I'm very excited about all your seminars that you're doing uh, here in September for uh, Safety Month, Realtor Safety Month, and um, I appreciate you very much. We have the body language at the end of the month, too. That, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to definitely make that one as well. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Andy. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. I had fun, and I'm glad you invited me today. The newest data indicates prices are slowly leveling off as sales continue to fall. A recent report shows that Orlando's median home price remained unchanged in August of 2021 compared to the previous month. That reached a record high of $320,000. However, the median price is 16% higher than August of 2020 at $275,000. Sales fell for a second straight month this summer. In August of 2021, sales dropped 4.4% from the previous month. Inventory increased 3.2% from July 2021 to August of 2021, from 3,524 homes to 3,638 homes. Homes spent just 25 days on the market in August of 2021, which is a record low. The supply of homes ticked up nearly one month in August of 2021. A balanced market is six months of supply. The latest report states that Aura members sold 3,999 homes in August of 2021, a decrease of 4.4% from the 4,183 homes sold in July of 2021. Sales were still 13% higher than August of 2020. As we continue to experience changes in the Orlando housing market, it is important for home buyers and sellers to stay informed and use a realtor for their home needs.